1: We're going to move on now to talk about gas. Of course, there's been some big developments in the gas uh, sector uh, just this week. And uh, I spoke to Anna Christie Uh, About all of that. Uh, Anna is an environmental advocate, educator who's been engaged in the fossil fuel frontline for nearly seven years, organising tours of the Narrabri region, particularly the Laird and Pilliger forests, which have been dedicated by the New South Wales Government to coal mining and gas extraction and field monitoring of coal and gas expansion in the Namoy Valley. Anna is a foundation member of the Australian Citizen Science Association and a co-founder of the Laird Forest Research Node. Since 2017, Anna has been a contributor to Northwest Protection Advocacy, which has focused particularly on coal seam gas, and it was through the Northwest Protection Advocacy uh, blog, uh, which I uh, read the, her terrific article uh, that I got in touch with her and uh, recorded this interview. Anna, thanks for joining Environmental as anything. Thank you. Not a problem. You've uh, just written a very illuminating uh, document for the uh, Nwpa, uh, the Northwest Protection Association uh, website, a portrait of a gas field workforce, the jobs myth, and this is a, a fascinating topic because uh, you know the, we have the Scummer regime uh, purporting to, uh, to to invest in a flatulence-led recovery, but you're saying that the uh, their idea of creating jobs with gas is uh, is as ethereal as the gas itself.
2: Yes. Well, in the case of the Narrabri Gas Project, the promises of jobs are giving hope to people that these are going to be sustainable and lead to a really flourishing society and a flourishing community. And that's not what we've seen in other gas fields, bearing in mind that the coal seam gas industry Also known as the unconventional gas industry, has only existed in Australia since around 2007 or so, and so um, the experience in Queensland has been that wherever this industry takes hold, it really does a lot of harm to the community because the kind of jobs, the kind of structure of the job, the job workforce, um, is such that. Uh, it becomes a more mobile community, the um, fly-in, fly-out, or in some cases drive-in, drive-out workforce. And so FIFO and DIDO are very, they're the common terms to dis- to describe people yep. who work long shifts, and then, but they leave their families behind, yep. either on the coast or another big town. So in the case of Narrabri, it'll be people who might drive from the Upper Hunter mm. um, coming up there, drive-in, drive-out. So um, what we decided to do, because when talking about jobs, always you have numbers flung at you. And it's so hard for anyone who has no idea of how they've modelled them to really challenge them, because it's something that's going to happen in the future. Mm. And um, so what we wanted to do was paint a portrait of this workforce just to give people a bit of a more um, kind of a, in their mind they can get a better idea of what it looks like. And so once we set about just putting a few comments together, once we set about asking people who know more about these workforces, we came to the conclusion that with Narrabri being with Nat sorry, excuse me, with Narrabri being a similar distance from Brisbane as Narrabri is from Brisbane, that you're gonna have a lot of efficiency maintaining a professional workforce that actually commutes from Brisbane to Roma, where Santos already has its um, very large Fairview gas field, and and then to Narrabri. That would make perfect sense because you don't actually need to have experts like geologists on site all the time. Yeah. They're not there all the time. No. And so by nature, these experts, are they're traveling around to the different um, locations where there might be, an active rig, and they're not um, thick on
1: the ground around the Narrabri district. District to start with, are um, they?
2: No, there, there are a few of them because actually, unbeknownst to many, Narrabri has a scientific side to it. Right. Um, there, you know, there is there are research centres there attached to universities and attached to primary industry, um, and you know, it's a shame that the that the town of Narrabri doesn't look more to that kind of. Growth, you know, smart
1: that, smart industries. Smart
2: growth, mm. yes, because the the jobs that will be left for the people of of Narbri they're not going to be the big jobs from Brisbane. Um, that's what we hear, and nor are they the jobs on the the rigs. I'm informed um, that the literally no no local people would be on rigs. They're a highly very specialised job, and these workers they travel from rig to rig and that's in the nature of the work. So, you know, people in Narrabri, to be honest, most of them don't believe it, but they still have this little hope. It's like they're promised so much by Santos, and Mm -hmm. Santos has been active in the community for, you know, quite a few years now, trying to get this project up and running, and they've been blocked at every turn so far, a lot of it by their own failure to actually provide the government with the information that they demand. You know, don't believe the claims that um, they'll put forward that it's all green tape. It's not all green tape. You know, they spent months and over a year just trying to not provide government departments information that they were demanding. Mm. But the people of Narrabri, naturally, they, you know, they look at towns, bigger towns. They even would aspire to be like Gunnada, let alone Dubbo. So Narrabri is a town of... 6,000 Gunadar when you've got a town of 10,000 you've got that bit more commerce that Mm. bit more facilities Mm. and and services and and health services Mm. then you're talking Dubbo and Tamworth and they're 40,000 and 62,000 respectively but look let's not forget that last summer those towns of Dubbo and Tamworth almost ran out of water yeah I mean we had a serious water crisis so if you don't look after the water there will be no economy no. these towns will be and and if people think that a drought like that won't happen again well that would be very blinkered.
1: oh absolutely and as you as you say it's you know it's uh, these cruel and poisonous false claims that they're going to generate a bo- jobs boom uh, you know is, is are only uh, made ever more bitter by the fact that they're destroying the the, the fundamental basis for the existing economy
2: and And another thing Sean is that the the numbers change they constantly change mm. um previously um it was said that there would be twelve hundred construction jobs and now just rec- just in their latest media release um Sandoz is saying or was it, yeah they're just saying now it's going to be hundreds instead of um
1: so, so their Instead figures are going soft. yeah, so their figures are going soft as we watch them, they're melting in front of us as we watch.
2: Yeah, a bit like that. And mm. then, for example, also with respect to the royalties, um, the originally the estimate for the royalties for the life of the project was one point six billion dollars, mm. and then later it was revised down to one point two billion. And then the other day, Michael Johnson, who is the MP for um, for Hunter, was in Parliament arguing against the CSG moratorium bill. Mm. And he says, or he quotes the Mayor of Narrabri saying that it will be an estimate of 32 million of royalties at full production. So, like, right. the numbers are just like...
1: That's a, that's a serious uh, sliding scale, isn't it?
2: Well, th- they just keep changing. Yeah. And you never find out why. And so, when you look at your, the reality of a gas field workforce and you hear them shouting out numbers, you go, like, this really doesn't mean anything to me. I can see what's happening in towns like Miles, for example, which has been highly... The the town of Miles has been a case study of what can go wrong Mm. um, in in the town. And, you know, they made a lot of promises about how much the um, fly-in, fly-out workforce will stimulate the economy, and... In reality, what happens is that those workforces, those fly in, fly out, um, they're not really blending in with the with a family sort of society, and no. they end up wanting. They end up forcing the companies to make their workers stay in their dongers, stay yeah. out of town.
1: Because um, it's disruptive. Sure. It's disruptive to have the, the 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 fly-in, fly-out workers come in and and use the town's facilities. In any case, but uh, as you've written, a typical mining camp has a canteen, gym, bar, and other facilities. So occupants don't end up supporting local businesses. However, council rates are likely to increase. Uh, waste services uh, that are under demand and medical facilities are likely to be under more demand. So that the, so the services of the town are going to be uh, depleted, not not increased by this.
2: And not only those services that you mentioned, but also um, things like, uh, also, for example, electricians um, and trades, mechanics, um, they get sucked up by the mining industry, uh, including gas. They, they they will get some of the work. But really what happens is that that then diminishes the ability of other Sectors of the economy, like agriculture, mm. to be as efficient. Because mm. if you're a farmer and you are waiting for, you know, a tradesperson to come and help your fix your plant, and you can't because there's a shortage. Because the, you know, these are, these tradespeople are getting a little bit more money and they can work for the mines.
1: Mm yeah and 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 the mines themselves are, are extraordinarily low uh, employment activities like you, you've took, outlined how uh, the the mine sites the rig sites are uh, you know employ very few people most of the work is actually done off-site and and on an ongoing basis uh, you know the gas uh, w- we use Wilga pa- go Park, Gas-fired power station, as an example, and saying there's only two permanent staff at all
2: Yeah, at the moment, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's what i That's what I've been informed.
1: Yeah.
0: And, so the, you um, know they're
1: highly mechanised, uh, driving up costs of manufacturing in other industries and displacing jobs across the country. That's it. Doesn't sound like a positive for the uh, for the existing economy. It's
2: not, but the trouble is, if you're in Narrabri and you need a job. And you look at people who work in the Narrabri Underground Mine, and that's a coal mine just 17 kilometers south of Narrabri. You know, people are working in that mine, and by all accounts, this is like working in, in a, a salt mine or a, like a something from some kind of biblical legend. I mean, okay, I'm exaggerating a bit, but, you know, people just describe the working conditions as being... Appalling, yeah. And so to them, seeing the guys in their... The gas workers seem to have a little bit more like... Um,
1: Fresh they, air and sunlight. Uh,
2: they're more crisp. They're wearing their their logo um, shirt, mm. um, you know, or their logo... Um, they're, they're just kind of one rung up in mm. the pecking order of, mm. of, of work. So to people who only aspire to working in the underground coal mine, they're going, oh, the gas industry looks really
1: looks really good. Yeah, right. So it's just an attra- cosmetically attractive but uh, fundamentally flawed like all the analysis of the, uh, the gas industry that I've been Getting through the show, people have got a lot of it, a few few different experts coming on uh, t- talking to us about the the state of the the current gas industry and it's you know we, our gas is uh, uh, you know three times more expensive than, to produce than it is uh, valued on the on the open market and more you know like so there's yeah. There, yeah. there's actually no real money left in it for Santos they're in a desperate last gasp to to, to get something out, out of the uh, out of the COVID recovery money it seems yeah
2: but look may I just say that although well, I may have just said yes there are a few people who would aspire to work for the gas company the the the, all of the surveys of Narrabri and the surrounding um, communities to Narrabri are that people do not want this gas industry yeah and uh, and still yet again Santos puts forward these um, surveys these um, social um, acceptance surveys, and there's one in particular that has been completely lambasted mm. because um, it's a sort of it's a famous one. It's question forty-four, mm. uh, and it it asks people their attitude towards coal and gas, but it doesn't really give them an option to say um, that they that they will not accept it and they will not tolerate it. It's, <laughs> right. um, so they so have.
1: So, the survey's rigged from the get go
2: the survey is rigged from the get go
1: why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> Have I become yeah. jaded
2: <laughs> and then you know and then there's the other issue, which is that some of the jobs that are promised, if you read carefully, they're not saying that the gas fields will provide the work, but the the manufacturing will provide the work
0: yeah,
1: well, that's so an interesting. Interesting point too, isn't it, in the manufacturing, and because there's uh, the gas actually uh, competes against manufacturing in many respects, doesn't it?
2: Well, in this case, it actually is going to. The industry that they're talking about is an ammonia plant, mm. so they're putting a lot of a lot of um, their emphasis on how there's a company called Perdamin and they are going to build a big ammonia plant, and that this will be fueled and be supplied by the gas from the Narrabri. Um, gas project, and they say it's for fertiliser. Yeah. but on the other hand, the same material that you use to make fertiliser is made ma- is used to make explosives. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the questions around this concern how much of this is speculation that there will be a major expansion of coal mining, which is at the moment they're trying to do. Over on the coast, you're blessed, you don't have to face this, but the reality is that there are now millions and millions of tons of coal that are in the pipeline of approval in the Namoi Valley. Hard Mm. to believe if Mm. you saw that dry river uh, over the last two years. Um, And yet, that's what they're they're planning to do. And so, obviously, they need a lot of explosives, Mm. and um, so... Is that part of the plan? If that's the case, then that's a really speculative kind of um, manufacturing industry that you're promising.
1: It's also one that's, again, directly in competition with the renewable uh, energy industry, where ammonia is uh, a a major source of, uh, you know, transportation of hydrogen around the place. So one of the other ways of making ammonia is to get uh, renewable energy and turn hydrogen and nitrogen into ammonia.
2: Well, I can't comment on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, anyway, so there's all of these strange uh, nexuses, nexies between uh, these uh, these existing industries and, and the alternatives that we have, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, I yeah, would...
2: and, all, and while this is happening, Sean, there's not enough attention that is looking at what they call a just transition, mm. helping the Narrabih community and the Gunnedah community to have a vision of how people will be transitioned if they're older, they need to be looked after when, uh, as, because they may be too old to be retrained. Mm. Uh, you know, younger people they need a, a future to be able to look forward to. And um, if they're fearful of renewables and they're thinking that there is that this is going to wipe out their their economy, um, that's something that. Really needs more attention.
1: Mm, definitely, um, that, that obviously with the uh, the fossil fools continuing to, uh, to to spout a lot of uh, misleading uh, disinformation out there, it's uh, uh, there are people confused and fearful of uh, of the future. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame when the future looks so bright, if only we could get on with, like you talk about, the alternatives, the Million Jobs Plan, you know? Would you mm. want to speak a little bit to, uh, you know, Beyond Zero Emissions have launched the new national jobs initiative, the Million Jobs Plan. We've well, mentioned it I'm, on, I'm a, on air previously.
2: I'm I'm a big fan of Beyond Zero Emissions. Yes. And I've uh, been following them. They're a, a think tank um, and um, they, I, I think that they've launched this Million Jobs Plan at a really great time and it really disappoints me that more people are not jumping on board Mm. and there's a negativity, um, sort of a fear of the future. I really hope that, you know, that people will start to come up with creative ways because if you've got five out of nine people on the national COVID um, coordination commission being from the gas industry, mm. naturally they're bringing their gas industry thinking into it. In fact, why would a gas industry person um, not be thinking about gas? Mm. That's Obviously, what they they, they want to do, and and so we don't have enough of the the really smart lateral thinking um, people, and there are we're lucky we've got. Some really great role models in the business world, of course. Mike Cannon-Brooks is a is a perfect example. Um, and why are these sort of people not being consulted, and 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 being a part of the? I don't call it just coordination because mm. they're not just doing that COVID commission. They're not just doing co- coordination. Mm. They're doing more than that. They're trying to fast track gas projects. Under the guise of being COVID recovery,
1: yeah, and and whereas it's actually the exact opposite, they might as well take our COVID recovery money and just pour it straight down the coal black hole. That's what they're planning to do with it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. why isn't Mike Cannon on the uh, the National COVID, uh, uh, you know, uh, conflict commission or whatever it's called? Mm. And and we, we've talked, we've covered that quite a bit on the show too. But there's. Uh, there are so many holes in, in their story. It's it's quite threadbare. It's a bit, it's a bit of a, a...
2: Why don't we have a, a Ross involved well, in all that? I mean, why do we not have people with knowledge and, mm, and vast and vision. knowledge and also vision? <laughs>
1: No, that's right. And so the million jobs plan BZ you know like I think the question that that needs to be put to all of the decision makers is be you know be a, a million jobs plan for or against one word answer please you know like just are you for it or not and uh, it makes it it's pretty straightforward really if you're if you're not a, not for it, then what are you for? You I know. just
2: look at other countries um, in the world who use intelligent means. To have a strong economy, mm. not to be destroying their water courses, and mm. and to be creating m- more climate change risk, and and bringing our country into such serious risk, um, and I just wonder why is it that we cannot have such uh, enlightened and as you say. Um, planning with vision, Mm -hmm. and it does come back a lot to the um, donations, political donations situation. Yes. And the the entitlement that that the fossil fuel industries feel that they have.
1: Yeah, I I always... It comes back to me, the the question is, is this... St- stupidity or is it corruption you know are, are they genuinely too stupid to see what they're doing is pointless or is it that they know that they're doing the wrong thing and they just don't care because they're in for the short
2: well um, if there were one single part. policy setting that you could just do instantly and it would be very fair because it would apply you know would be no political donations yeah that will you know that that will be such a single one hit that would eliminate so much corruption. Mm. But I don't know why that simple and really good idea doesn't
1: ever happen. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that it is in the process of happening, and I think that uh, people like you and me and many others around this country who are, are having that conversation outside of the National COVID uh, Conflict Commission, but uh, but certainly a powerful conversation that we're all engaged in, I think it's having a, a real effect. And yeah. and like you say, BZE, very powerful and, and important, although, you know, small, uh, you yeah. know, relatively small organisation, they're very uh, powerful and important in the sense that they're well, you know, some- using very, ideas.
2: Well, they've got some great allies too mm. involved in this. So, mm. um, with, with prestige and and uh, and pulling power to try to get um, companies to try to, to to take on board some mm. of these ideas.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm just going to quote you to yourself again, but that it, what, the, what the NCCC regards as a low-hanging fruit is a poisoned apple that promises pain and destruction to affected communities. I think that's a, a beautifully uh, turned oh, phrase. thank
2: you. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, it bears uh, it bears repeating because, uh, you know, clearly we cannot uh, allow that poisoned apple to be served up to us as being yeah. our, 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 our breakfast. So... Uh, Anna, thanks for uh, speaking to us again. I know uh, we only spoke uh, the other day, but uh, since we spoke, there's been some significant developments in the gas field.
2: Yes. I was woken up this morning by a friend in Coonamble saying, oh, my gosh, I've heard the news on the ABC, and it looks like that the Narrabri gas project is being approved. And I said, no, 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 just calm down here this project has to go to the Independent Planning Commission. But it seems that many people are being misled by the way that it's being reported because it's being reported as the state government has recommended the Narrabri gas project and people don't understand the legalities of it, which is that this now has to go through to a body called the Independent Planning Commission Uh, admittedly, it's been nobbled recently by the state government because, unfortunately for the mining industry, it rejected two new coal mine applications. Yes. And that was enough for the mining industry to approach the government and just say, you've got to do something about these independent (laughs) decision makers. Yeah,
1: they seem to be a bit too too, independent.
2: They're just too independent for our liking. (laughs) And this was sent to the Productivity Commission who whipped out a really a very narrow-minded report which came up with some suggestions about how to nobble, that's my words, the Independent Planning Commission. And uh, what they have done is that they have um, removed the right of the IPC to obtain its own expertise. Right. It has to rely on the expertise provided by the Department of Planning. Oh. The other major change that it made was that there will no longer be what we call the multi-stage hearings, and the multi-stage hearings were brought in during the last revamp of the planning laws in late 2017, and this has proved to be a very positive thing for better decision-making. The multi-stage hearings, they enabled a more thorough analysis of evidence and greater participation. Well, they've also been eliminated.
1: Right. (laughs) So they've uh, had their way, as is often the case with uh, the mining industry, um, but they have not had approval for the project as such. It has been recommended by the state government. That's the state of play right now.
2: Yeah, that's right. But we know that the state government does not have such huge support, mm. because when Justin Fields' bill, the known as the CSG moratorium bill, was debated in Parliament just the other week, there were strong, strong, strong speeches against um, coal seam gas from a variety of parties, mm. and um, crossing. The political spectrum. Hmm. This is something people understand. They deeply understand the fears that are held for the water security. Anywhere this industry goes, the coal seam gas industry, and in particular, the famed Great Artesian Basin, which supports hundreds of communities in western New South Wales.
1: Yes, it's uh, it's poisoning the water, but it's also poisoning the politics. It seems.
2: Uh, well, certainly there seems to be some lack of intelligence mm. at work here, mm. because the evidence is there. The scientific uh, arguments against this industry are there, and it, you don't have to be a genius. I mean, we're we are a reasonably smart. Society, yep. we're just one of the lucky countries that has managed to avert this pandemic. Yes, and you know I think we we know when there's a danger. We are not that stupid. No, and the same population that averted the pandemic is now saying, coal seam gas is too dangerous. We cannot risk it for our water security. We cannot risk it even even for our food security.
1: Mm. Mm. so all right then so what do we do then what do you reckon we should do about this Anna
2: what is now being proposed is a an online public hearing now that may seem like a contradiction in terms <laughs> and yet they are pushing ahead with this even though this hearing is likely to occur in months time mm. several months time when it's likely that there will be no uh, problems with congregating. Um, they're planning to have it online with people giving their testimony and actually following it hmm. on the internet.
1: Are you calling for people to actually join in and and, and the the online process and and to yeah, to...
2: we we do want people to participate as much as they can. So one single thing that I would suggest to people is. When you do a letter to the Independent Planning Commission opposing the Narrabri Gas Project, make it unique. Mm. Mm. That is the single most important thing that you can do so that your submission will be counted because I personally think it's a kind of dirty trick.
0: No, it is. You know,
2: why is your opinion worth less Mm. just because... 18,000 other people say the same thing. <laughs> that's right. It's it, ridiculous.
1: It does go rather against all sense and reason, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, obviously they don't want everybody copying and pasting, so we're asking everybody to make a unique submission, but there's also the actual uh, hearings, aren't there? Are they going to be actual live
2: you streamed? Apply to be heard. Yes, that's right. And I think as many people apply to speak, especially yep. your listeners, yes. who most likely wouldn't make it up to Narrabri anyway, well, now is the perfect opportunity for them to actually apply to speak because they'll be doing it from their homes. Yes. And let's just see how many people apply to address the commission. It all only needs to be five minutes. And, um, you know, you have got a very good argument mm. that uh, um, until coal seam gas is dead in New South Wales there will always be a risk of it coming back to the northern rivers.
1: We have been calling it the zombie industry. It was during the, the period leading up to the uh, the, the Bentley uh, blockade that it was, was obviously so s- instrumental in, in bringing it down here. And we were talking about this zombie industry that just kept rising from the dead. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we need to uh, to knock it on the head and there's certainly a lot of people in this community who know quite a lot about uh, coal seam gas and are very passionate about it who could speak eloquently. Uh, so, yeah, we can get them uh, to... I would
2: ask for them to, to check out the independent... Planning Commission website. I'm sure that uh, in the networks that this will be shared. Um, You can even share it on your own um, program website and apply to address the Independent Planning Commission and make them realize that people from outside of Narrabri, there's a reason why this is state-significant. There's a reason why they are concerned. And if it's state-significant, that means that they should have a say.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Well, Anna, I think um, that's a powerful uh, action that people can take. Thank you for uh, helping us uh, get that message out.
2: Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much.
3: Hello, folks. I'm really stoked to tell you about a little story. We want to be free of CSG, keep it out of our community So we took it to the streets, knocked on every door Till everybody had their say And 98.6% said CSG, no way! We love our birds, our bees and trees, clean water in our boards. But hang on a minute, we smell a rat, mining companies at our door just sitting around and kicking back No CSG, I'm down with that So we took her to the streets, knocked on every door Till everybody had their say And 98.6% says CSG, no way! I'm only 10, there's lots that I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that no one here likes McGasco. the politician's son is on McGasco's pay, Is that way they don't listen to what we say, thousand sign, a petition to say, CSG in our community, no way, a green politician, a thousand k's away, had to be the one to show what you had to say, what about my children, that haven't been born yet, they say CSG is safe. Wanna make a bet? You gamble with my future You fuck a politician in your fancy big car Who do you think you are? So we took her to the streets Knocked on every door Till everybody had their set And 98.6% said CSG, no way! So we took her to the streets Knocked on every door Till everybody had their set
1: Looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from two to five for all the news, interviews, and analysis you need to make the future you want.
0: We're hand in hand